Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 25 of a series of episodes that we've been calling Leading Others to Christ. And those of you who have been listening, uh, you know that during these episodes, our focus is on evangelism. We have actually uh, have many goals that we're trying to reach, but the main thing with this is we're trying to use some Bible phrases, if you will, to stir people up, to revive us again, to stir people up in love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our families, our friends, neighbors, co-workers with the, uh, with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. For those of you that don't know, some of you are going to get tired of hearing me say this every time, but Franklin is tw- about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, so that gives you a little bit of an idea of where we are. Those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about our topic today. Uh, I'm passionate about leading others to Christ, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel. I was taught and obeyed the gospel in Owensboro, Kentucky, when I was 21 years old. And what I've done over the years, I've always been striving to read anything that I could find, to sit at the feet of others, to learn how, I'm going to use some Bible phrases again, to learn how to teach others, to learn how to sow the seed, to learn how to be a fisher of men, to learn how to make disciples, and to teach others to teach. That's one that I really like doing. And I, I re, I've been quoting this every time, what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And this, I think this is such an emotional statement here. He says, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women who will be able to teach others also. So I came up with this idea to identify those Christians, men and women that are out there that are doing this, fellow workers that are reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we find out who they are is to, to interview them and to learn more about them, who they are, why, why they are so motivated to do the work that they're doing, how they're doing it, and, uh, and, and, and those type things. And, and quite frankly, we're really excited about the response to this series of podcasts. We've had so many people listening in. We're in the foreign countries, and, and I hadn't thought about that. But anyway, I want to encourage everybody, if, if you continue to like this, please like and share with your friends so we can kind of get the word out of what we're doing here. Today, we're really excited to have with us one of my old buddies, David Norfleet. David works with the Douglas Hills Church of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you had a, a really busy day today. I know you got, you're concluding a gospel meeting there at Douglas Hills uh, tonight, and, uh, and I really appreciate you squeezing us in here, if you will. I'm um, glad to do it. Uh, before I forget, so I don't get in trouble with Gay, Gay said to be sure to tell Anna Laura, both, for both of us, tell Anna Laura we said hi. We'll do. All right. Dave, we've been starting all of these interviews out with, uh, for the old ones, I guess, they're listening at used elevator pitch or uh, a little short bio of, uh, of who David Norfleet is, uh, because not everybody knows you, not everybody knows me. And so it would help people understand. Uh, where were you born? Who taught you the gospel? And kind of bring us up to speed, if you would, David. Well, I was born in Pulaski County, Kentucky, which is the big town of Somerset. Um, I did not grow up in as a Christian. I was of another religious group. 
my best friend growing up was a Christian. And when we went away to Western together at Bowl in Bowling Green, Kentucky, we roomed together. His father was a preacher and also my high school science teacher, and probably largely to the, his influence. Uh, he's lots of things he had me thinking about. I attended with him while we were in Bowling Green at Eastside. Um, that's where I met my wife, Anna Laura. Uh, I didn't obey the gospel till later after leaving Western and moved to Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And I come to the realization that if I was going to be a person of my word, of integrity, there was just too many inconsistencies in my life from what I can see from the Bible and what I profess to believe. And it's when I obeyed the truth. After doing that, though, I went off. I was in a secular career and uh, moved around quite a bit. I didn't start preaching full time or dedicate myself to full time until roughly 13 years ago. So I've kind of come to the party a little bit late. Uh, but that's a little bit of my story. I've married, been married roughly 26 years. I've got five children, and uh, I love the Lord. And I'm right now currently working with the group here, and they've invited me back to Douglas Hills in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, thanks for uh, bringing us up to today here. I always smile when I see you, and, and it was so good to run into you at the end of last year there in Louisville. But uh, you and Anna Laura and the kids and uh, – we first met there in Lexington, Kentucky, when you were worshiping with us at the Fayette Church of Christ. And uh, nothing but, from us, nothing but fond memories about all of that. And uh, you were such a uh, uh, key component and key family there in the congregation. So, uh, yeah, I'm so glad our paths have been able uh, to cross again. You know, it's interesting. And that's why I like to hear the stories of, of the path and, and why, how you ended up where you are. Let's start with this. Uh, we've been calling it the why. You told us a little bit there, but why did you leave secular work? Why are you, you said you came late to the party. Why are you an, an evangelist? Why are you involved in leading others to Christ, David? Well, I mean, it's, it's not a straight line for that matter. I, my job transferred me. I took several transfers and advancements, whatever you want to call them, and ended up in Louisville, Kentucky, where we started worshiping with the Douglas Hills Church roughly 13 years ago. And Douglas Hills, I'd been filming in preaching, that kind of thing, just whenever opportunity arose. But Douglas Hills, each year at the beginning of the year, has a meeting to try to refocus the attention of the congregation and one of the years we were here, Buddy Payne came and spoke, and he spoke about redeeming the season of your life to make your life worth something and have meaning. And at that point, I was just, what am I doing in my secular career? I mean, not I was serving God, I believe, but I thought I could do much more. And I approached Anna Laura, and I said, what about this? Because we had four children at the time. It was a little scary, and she said, go for it. And that's that's what we did. I mean, that was kind of really the motivation, the, the, the turning point, if you will. Then Douglas Hills also has, like we were term, a training program. And I felt like I needed just to kind of get my feet under me. They allowed me to go through the training program for two years. And then I've been in the Atlanta area for the last 10. And then they invited me back to focus solely on trying to personal work, evangelism, leading others to Christ. And that's kind of the, the why, I guess, if, if I had to pinpoint one thing. Well, again, you know, thank you for that. And that was one of the reasons that, a lot of reasons I wanted to interview you. But, uh, and I know there's some congregations out there now, you're starting to hear more and more of this where they have 
where they have the second or the third preacher, again, with the, the larger congregations. They give, the, give everybody about, about uh, the size of Douglas Hills. Uh, well, we're roughly 270 uh, okay. members. They are basically, lack of a better term, four full-time evangelists here. I mean, or not full-time, but I mean, Brother Paul Earnhardt uh, is here, Brother Martin McQuarrie. We have a, currently someone going through the, an internship, if you want to call it that, a training program, and that's Austin Shear. And then myself, um, they invited me back to kind of focus on this, this work of evangelism. Well, good for them. Number one, I like what you said there of starting the year off uh, uh, every year, uh, refocusing the, the mission of the group, right? Of what they should, how they should be thinking for the year. And uh, I think that uh, there's so much with that. And, and one of the things that motivated me to do this, David, was, uh, you know, as you get older, you, you know, you, you're around a lot and meet a lot of people and visit a lot of congregations and speak different places. And there's so many congregations out there, I'm sad to say, that need this, uh, need a meeting at the beginning of every year because I'm afraid they've kind of lost their focus and uh, they're just, they're just coming to church and they're not, uh, they're not involved in evangelism. And again, I want to sound too critical, but it's just a fact. They're not involved in reaching out in their community at all. And as a result, congregations are getting older and they're dying out. I mean, they're closing their doors. It's, uh, that's why I said at the beginning, we want to try to hopefully fire some people up again. Uh, Revivals again is an old song in our songbook uh, about what our purpose really is. And, uh, but I, I think it was really good that, that when you told me that you were, that's what your main focus was, was evangelism. One of the things I know that uh, I'll jump ahead here, but I think when we met or saw you again there in Louisville, you mentioned that one of the things you were doing, this was before the COVID-19 nonsense hit, is that you were doing meetups. You still doing those or you, you would if you could, right? Well, it seems to me that every idea that you have doesn't work in every community. So we tried those and we've been continuing to do this. We've kind of transitioned them to online. And so we continue to meet up. Some of the contacts we've made in the meetup, we continue to do online studies, which is unfortunately for a lot of people, that's about as close as you're going to get at this period of time. Not everyone, but uh, some people. So we've taken some of the contacts that we generated through the meetup and continue to kind of just maintain them really as private studies online. So, yeah. We met, I, quite frankly, if I had to evaluate meetup in Louisville, Kentucky, say, compared to Atlanta, the success was a little different, but you were starting to see a little bit more response to them about the time COVID hit. Okay. All right. Well, maybe it's something that when this is over with that uh, can be revived again or looked at again. Because yes. I think, like you said, and that's another fascinating thing about this is that the things that work in one place will not necessarily work in another. You know, we're not changing the gospel. We can't do that. We have to continue to preach the truth. But the way, just like I've, I've interviewed uh, Caleb Churchill, he's up in Brooklyn, New York. Well, that the Brooklyn, New York community uh, area is a little bit different than Franklin, Indiana, you know, or, or even Louisville. So uh, you, that's, to me, that's a big part of the whole dynamic of evangelism is looking at the, take a snapshot of the community, looking at the numbers and looking at the makeup and how many different religious groups are there. You know what I'm saying? And, and try things and uh, it might work. It might work. And, and that's one thing that's been good with this too, is that almost every episode we are coming up with something 
that somebody's doing in their area, their new ideas where people are saying, well, I've never even thought about that. I never thought about doing that. So don't you think we need to keep our minds open about new ways to, to uh, reach out to others? Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, is the difficult thing, the teaching part of it is going to remain consistent. It's generating the contacts and the relationships that we're constantly striving for ways to be able to interact with people. And that's the challenge. I'm going to just tip my hips to the shepherds here at Douglas Hills. The shepherds here as a group, they are evangelistically minded. They want to try new things. They want to just keep pushing and they're not afraid to say, this is not working. We need to try something else. But they're constantly just trying to think of things to reach out. And I'm kind of one of the, the ideas that is, is being tried. But they want to reach the community. And I think you were talking about a culture of a congregation. It's kind of somewhat top down. And what I mean by that, if you have shepherds or evangelists that are zealous for the truth and reaching out to others, it trickles down. And I think that's an important component of making up the character of a congregation a lot of times. So, no, that's a, I mean, that's a whole book we could write there on um, the, the, the top down. If the shepherds are not involved, if they don't understand their role and, and the congregation's role in evangelism, it's not going to happen. And uh, I sad to say, and they will be focused more on maintenance or focused on just internal things as I said earlier, and uh, not reaching out. But yeah, you know, it's this old, we can talk about this for a while, but it's like, you know, leadership styles. You know, you've got your leader follower uh, idea. And, and obviously we are to submit. We know what the Bible teaches about that. We recognize the, the role of the shepherds in a congregation and our role as members, but also a leader leader style of, of leading, if you will, where the leaders recognize, and they're trying to develop new leaders that are continuing to do this. And I love it that you said that the shepherds understand and they're, and they're constantly looking for new ideas. How do we bottle that up and, <laughs> and send it out here? You know, that, so uh, you're, you're blessed to have that, that attitude there with, uh, with the shepherds. I went on the website just to take a quick look yesterday. And um, I know that I wanted to ask you about two things that you're doing there, the journey, described as an online video correspondence course. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Well, that was something that was generated through the idea of Mark McCrary. And basically, it's kind of the basically the big picture of the Bible, the King Craig information. It's just another tool to lay out there. It's kind of like a lack of a better term, casting your seed and broadcasting your seed. We just want to make sure that we have everything available that whatever way that people stumble across it, it will generate maybe interest or provide information to point them to Christ. Uh, that is really the idea, the genesis behind the journey. I mean, unfortunately for a lot of us older guys, you remarked about that at kind of in the pre-show. We've got to change with the times. We're more and more being driven by video cultures, social media culture, and that is something... I'm not that great with, but it is a way of generating contacts that that we've never really experienced before. Well, I had mentioned earlier that that's going to be one of the things that I've already written it in my journal, if you will, or my calendar is that and, and this uh, with COVID-19, I, I started a podcast. I, I had heard a podcast and uh, and those of you that are listening say, yeah, you still don't know how to do one, but I, I'm trying, I'm trying to learn, but uh, the, you know, I'm, I'm uh, excited the fact that you're our 25th interview this year. 
and uh, and we got a lot more, Lord willing, that we will be able to do. But you're right. I mean, we've got to. Uh, I'm a lot older than you are, but the older ones of us, we have to learn how to use the new technology, uh, and we might have to surround ourselves with people that younger ones that can come in and help us. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just as some of the things that uh, that we can do. Uh, don't have time, but I actually did a Zoom study for the first time with a couple and they ended up obeying the gospel. And I had met him in person before we set up the study, but I did not meet her until the day they came to the building to be baptized. And that was a, that was totally a new experience, you know, with that. So it kind of opened up the minds uh, and, and the eyes of things that we can do like that. You know, uh, I, I know one question I want to ask is that, uh, any mentor or mentors that you've had in your life? I, I, I know you've mentioned the people there at Douglas Hills. Uh, any others that, that you would like to share with us or people that you've been around that motivate you to do this? Well, I'm afraid to claim anyone because they, then they'll feel some obligation for how it turned out. But I'm like everybody else. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, that's the bottom line. I was thinking about that. And probably my mentors are not the people that would normally you would think of. So maybe the first person, and a lot of these people don't even know that I consider them a mentor or influencer. When I was in the Atlanta area, one of the people that I, it just opened my eyes to this possibility is the a brother by the name of David Maxson and the leadership, the shepherds at the Embry Hills congregation in Atlanta, where they had given themselves to the task of reaching out to the lost. And much of their time was taken just with that endeavor. And seeing that, how they went about that kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of spending your time that way. The other people that I kind of look up to, I mean, it's strange. And I take really a lot of encouragement from them. Uh, there's an elder here by the name of Steve Gwynn. And I think of people like Gary Fisher or even your fellow elder back in Fayette, Gary Erickson, people who are not naturally, it's not natural for them, but they had a burning desire for the lost and pleasing the Lord and reaching the lost, and they overcome every hurdle in them their way. I mean, there's a lot of people that have just the gift of gab. Uh, they can walk up to a total stranger and they're best friends within five minutes, but, and God bless those people. We need people like that, but don't let your limitations detract you from doing the work. You can still do the work. There's somebody out there like you who needs to hear the gospel from somebody like you. And it just reminds me to not put limits on myself and make sure I give God the credit that he can use even somebody like me uh, to reach the loss. Well, and, and we certainly need to always remind ourselves of that is we have to give God the glory because uh, we're just trying to do what, what our Lord wants us to do, right? He said, you know, he came to seek and save the lost. He wants us to do the same thing. Uh, we've been given instructions and, you know, and it's like, I, I've always tried to promote the idea of, of, you know, what the scriptures talk about when Jesus sent out the 70 that time, when he sent out the 12, you know, he sent them out two by two. And I really, I, I really like that. You know, like if we were there together, I would encourage us to go work together. And uh, or if it's not us working together, you get someone and I get somebody. And but the, the two by two thing is so powerful. And because that can feed off the energy from each other and keep each other motivated. And if somebody asks me a question I can't handle, then you can help me. See, you, you would you'd be able to help me. Well, I, I, know that. That. I go to Ken, usually go to Kenya once a year. And yes. 
And I've got a brother, Matt Turner, who I just, he, he takes time out of his work schedule and he goes with us. He's kind of my partner in the gospel and we feed off each other. I mean, it allows us, we draw strength from one another. He's got a different perspective on how to answer a question or deal with an issue. And it's just, like you said, I, I think it's invaluable. I mean, why try to reinvent the wheel of our Lord and all his wisdom, send them out two by two. I think there's something, he saw something there that we needed to take note of. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I had down in my notes, uh, I saw on the website that you, uh, and I did not realize that, David, I, I apologize. I didn't know you've been going to Kenya for a number of years. Uh, like, you, uh, are you going to be able to go this year or did you get to go? Or No, I don't. Normally we go in November, uh, usually because to kind of work around the rainy season. Yes. And we decided this year due to COVID, not so much for our sakes in the sense that I was necessarily because they have less cases than even the U.S., but they have much more stringent lockdowns and it caught, it's a great deal of time, a great deal of money and our, our accessibility to people to speak and then us coming back in the country, how that would limit our work for the next several weeks. So we put the trip off at maybe till the beginning of 2021 so this year. Let's say that uh, Gay and I, come, let's just say that we're not Christians and we're there in Louisville and we're, you know, we're, we're looking for a place to go. We've been talking about church and, and we show up at Douglas Hills and, and we meet you and, and, um, and obviously we're interested. How would you follow up with us to try to set up a study? And, and second part of the question is, what study do you use? Have you got one that you use? Have you got one that you've developed over the years? Or tell me how that would work. Well, normally, first of all, it begins with some connection. And, and I, I will admit, I, I'm, I'm still a work in progress as far as being able to tell someone how, is this something they're just trying with trepidation or they're jumping in with both feet, trying to be able to just try to gauge them. But at the end of the day, my, my approach may not be the most effective. I just say, hey, would you like to sit down and study this together? And I mean, I don't have a method. There's been people with success with the big picture. They develop their own correspondence course. I tell you, the first time I meet with people, I just sit down and talk to try to figure out where they are and then try to determine what I feel is the most beneficial book to study. If they already know about Jesus, Maybe we're going to start Ephesians. If they don't know anything, we may start in Ecclesiastes, or we may start in Luke or Mark. I, and I try my very best to have them read the scripture for themselves. Yes. Just let them read it, and we sit down and talk about it. Um, you know, and that, so unfortunately, I, I don't have a set methodology from that. I try to be as fluid as I can be. Well, there. I think that. That's, that's okay. I, I mean, again, we're all different. Uh, but, you know, you said it a couple of times, but developing connections, developing relationships, I think it's huge. Uh, you know, it's like Jesus and the woman at the well, right? It was a quick conversation, but look, my, look how fast he developed a relationship with her, you know, with questions and conversation. But, but yeah, I think that's something that, but you're good at that. You're good at meeting people and, and, and starting conversations and um, well, I will tell you the most effective thing, and one of the things I was, when we first moved here, we've been here back in Douglas, it was about a year and a half, and one of the ways the elders presented me coming back was a, I was a tool for the congregation to use, 
And what I mean by that is the members here have these relationships and maybe they felt uncomfortable teaching the study, but it was to try to create an, a culture of evangelism. And I, I'll tell you, I think the most effective studies that we've had in some regards are members saying, hey, this family member would love to sit down. They agreed to, would you come with me? And I go yeah. study. And I think in some ways, because they've done the, the relationship work and I'm coming in, I'm developing it. I piggyback in on their efforts. And as a team, we just try to present the gospel to, to folks. And I think it becomes powerful that way. Well, I, I do too. And it, and it takes, see if this sounds right, it takes some pressure off of you uh, and, and all of us that are doing it that way because uh, you have help and, and people bringing, uh, bringing others to you to do the study. And that gives them confidence because they know they've got somebody that cares enough that will take the time to do that. But it also is like the team effort or the congregational effort, right? The whole body working together there. And you're the, you're the tool to do that. So that's, that's really good. You know, uh, again, we're about out of time. Can you relate to us a, a conversion story, somebody that you've studied with uh, that comes to mind that, that always comes up when you think about trying to teach somebody that you've experienced? Well, I guess the two stories that, uh, they're two short stories that kind of stick out in my mind. One is a brother in Kenya by the name of Victor. He was a, a brick mason, big guy, like 6'1", 6'2", probably 220 pounds, just a huge strapping man, young man. And for many Kenyans, they are afraid of running water. They're afraid of drowning. And most of the places you're going to baptize there are, are rivers. And he was, see this man scared to death but of the water, but convinced that that's what he needed to do to be in a relationship with God and to overcome his fears. I mean, it, that's just something that stands out in my mind. Um, the second is a study that I had right before COVID hit a sister by the name of Gina, and I, I'm not going to share her last name just for some reasons, but sure, sure. she had just a challenging life. I mean, made lots of bad decisions, um, substance abuse, those types of things. But when she found out what she needed to do, she, she was probably the, the person that knew she needed forgiveness more than anybody else I've seen. Wow. A lot of people come to Christ and they, they're convinced they're already good people. And this is just the continuation of being just kind of a good general. She knew she needed Jesus and forgiveness. And she said, well, that's what we're going to do. And that's sitting those two is what I, and for I'm going to back up, I'm going to mention one more person at Fayette as a mentor, Thelma Blackburn. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you remember that name. Miss oh, Thelma okay. was a little widow woman from West Virginia who was a greeter at Walmart. And she was not going to be the person that's going to answer your deepest theological questions, but she always talked well about Jesus and always invited people. And she was just a reminder, again, you can do, you can reach out to the lost in some shape, form, or fashion and use your talents for God's glory. Yeah, you know, and that's another thing. Yes, I remember Thelma well and her daughter, Gail. Uh, but uh, anyway, the other thing, too, is that we're trying to get people to a lot of the stories that we run into, and you've said the same thing here of where the women in the congregation, uh, young, middle-aged, uh, older, whatever, of them realizing what a, a potential that they have and of setting, you know, setting up studies and let, call you to come and 
and I'm afraid in some places what's happened there is that women feel like they don't have a role in this and they could be some of the best evangelists that we have. I mean, I think of Lydia's, I think, you know, in the Bible, I think of, of different ones that, but yeah, just to kind of what, what, unleash that part of our family that could reach people that, that David Norfleet and I could never reach, could never talk to, that would, you know, and uh, so that, that's another part of it. All right, last question. Somebody's listening to this and I'll get your contact information in a minute for everybody. In fact, just go ahead and do it. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way to, to reach out to you? Uh, just call me on my cell, 404-394-8812. Or if you want to email me, it's dsnorfleet at gmail.com. Just reach out. Okay. So somebody's going to listen to this. Perhaps you need to be equipped for this, right? And they're going to call and say, David, I, I listened to the interview and you've got me excited. You've got me thinking, you know, and this maybe I'm at that stage in life like you were when you talking about Buddy Payne when you heard that lesson. If there was one thing that you could say to somebody that they need to do or one thing they need to learn how to do in leading others to Christ, what would that one thing be? That's hard to, do, hard to say. But no, I, I guess I, if I had to say one thing, uh, be convinced yourself about how great God's grace is. Good. And you can't fake genuine conviction. Wow. You know what? I, I love it when you ask people questions and when there is a pause, you might felt uncomfortable, but that means you're really thinking, right? Uh, but that yeah. there's got to be, it's just like you, I could tell there's the emotion on your face when you were talking about uh, Victor and, and Gina uh, and thinking about those stories. And think about that too, of how you feel. And people, once they get involved in this work, and they experience some success. And maybe success is just a study. That, that's huge. If you can set up a study, that's big, right? But then if you see somebody obey the gospel or somebody that's restored, yeah. the feelings with that, right, David? I, I mean, it's just it's just yeah. the motivation there to keep you going. Yeah. And I, I think I think there's two lies that I've told myself over and over again. One, the work is too hard. You know, this is a hard ground to sow. And that may be true, but that doesn't stop our effort. And then just, I think Paul's admonition in Galatians 6, do not grow weary in doing good, is sometimes rejection wears on people, and people who were evangelistic or zealous just get tired of being told no. And I do too, so no, I'm not in any way. Sure. Uh, but I've just got to remind myself I can't use those excuses and just keep about the work. All right, brother. Uh, our time's up. Great to see you again and talk Thank to you, you. and hear, hear that voice. And be like I say, be sure and tell the family hi. And and uh, Lord willing, we can. We're not that far from each other. Maybe somewhere no. we can go meet and have coffee or something. But uh, but again, thank you so much for taking the time on a busy Friday and doing this. And uh, proud of you. And keep up your good work. And we love you guys. Love you too. Thanks, David. Melt my heart and fill my life, give me one soul today.